Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 27 of the Flight Deck Podcast. It's your boy TK, along with the usual suspects, Mr. Omari Brown and Mr. Matthew Freeze. What's good, guys? What's up? What's up? What's going on? Training camp is here. Let's do it. Hold on, guys. Training camp's here. Zach Wilson signed. We're uh, ready to go. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, the excitement is, is back on track. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready, man. So, as always, we're going to kick things off with around the league. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of, you know, uh, players are disgruntled. And the newest disgruntled player is Mr. Chandler Jones out in Arizona. Now, honestly, I was so glad when he left New England, man. It was a huge relief. Uh, and he went to Arizona and he he did his thing, man. I think he had like 93 sacks in Arizona. Uh, and he wants to get paid like it. So that's where he is right now. I think he's making 15 and a half million and he wants more. And I personally think he deserves every penny he can get. You know me, I'm all for the players. What's y'all take on, on that? Uh, my big take on it is if I'm Arizona, I'm probably not going to pay you. Honestly, if I'm a GM at all, I'm never going to pay you for what you've done. I'm always going to pay you for what you're going to do. Chandler Jones is 31 um, so this will be his, he's, well, yeah, this is his age 31 season. So how much better is Chandler Jones going to get? You really going to pay him upwards of $20 million? Cause that's the going rate for a premier pass rusher right now. Uh, Chandler Jones is an all pro former all pro or pro bowl player, but he can get his money. But if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, he's going to have to get his money from elsewhere, but I want him to get his money though. Uh, yeah, I want Chandler Jones to get his money too. I think he has 97 career sacks, so he's coming up on that that you know triple digits and whatnot. I think he's worth every penny that they've paid him thus far. Do I think he'll get better moving forward? No, but do I think that he's going to have this tremendous fall off now that he's on the opposite side of 30? I also don't think so. I think this is just kind of a case of you know his career is slowly you know going to be on the downward trajectory now. So it's kind of like I got to capitalize, get paid before you know, one, that one more big contract before I'm working on one-year veteran minimum deals bouncing around from team to team. So, I mean, more or less, I'm all for paying them. Do I think the Cardinals will pay them? Probably not. I think they got, you know, a lot of money tied up in other things. I know, obviously, Kyler's still on the rookie deal, but that's something you could have to worry about in three, four years, or I'm sorry, two, three years, whatever it is. So, I don't think he'll get paid from the Cardinals. I think, you know, he'll end up playing for them this year, but there could potentially be a team out there that might swing you know a mid-round pick for him and give him the money he wants who knows yeah and i mean this is also this is also about timing as well too you know trades and free agency signs is all about the stock market you you definitely want to buy buy low sell you know sell high depending on which uh end of the the spectrum you're on generally jones is coming off a year where he well i think he played less than a handful of games one sack and 11 tackles i think I he only played two year. yeah so I don't I don't know if this is the, the the proper time to be asking for a contract raise when you just turned 31, you're coming off an injury riddled season. But again, it's all about timing. Is he gonna do it when he's 32? You're not gonna get more money at 32. So I guess you ask for your money now and then you kind of worry about it later. But um I don't see this situation. I don't know if this situation ends well unless unless he gets traded. And I'm not sure how many people um you know, we trade for a guy coming off an injury like that. But, you know, I could be wrong. We've, we've definitely seen guys get moved 
who do you think would be a good fit for him if they were to make a move? I mean, my first instant reaction to this is I can see him going where his brother played in Baltimore. I can see that as a potential fit. Judon left in free agency, so maybe they can convince him to play on that one-year deal. And maybe they do, you know, take it on a year-to-year basis or, you know, whatever. But maybe they do give him a bonus year or something like that. I think he would be a good fit there. Um, The fit makes sense, but Baltimore pays their homegrown guys. Yeah. Baltimore doesn't really bring in free agents like that. Um, So we're thinking about three, four teams. Obviously, he has played 4-3 in the past with New England's multiple front. I'm thinking of four or three teams that need an edge rusher. I don't think they have the draft capital or the salary cap. Chicago Bears make a make sense. I was thinking them. The the Giants. The Giants. The Giants they make sense. They don't have the, the cap. The, the Giants don't have the cap. They have two million dollars. Yeah, and they and they would also have to convert a lot of signing bonuses and a lot of they they would have to do a lot to make it work. But you know, it's, it's funny money in the NFL. In my off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Does does Cleveland do they play a three four now? I know Cleveland does multiple fronts. Yeah, but I, I think Cleveland maybe if they didn't go and get uh Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, but well, Clowney. I mean that that'd be a lot to invest on rotational pieces. Re- reason yeah. why I say you know Cleveland, like yeah. You know, the, the, yeah, the place that makes most sense is going to be uh, the L.A. Rams, but they're not going to trade him in the division. Nah. Uh, like, I, I just don't see that happening. And I'm trying to think of other teams that maybe play a 3-4. Uh, Green Bay is a no. They got the Smiths. What about the Raiders? Yeah, the Raiders are playing a 4-3 now. Maybe. Opposite maybe. side of Cleveland, maybe, but I know they got Max Crosby, so. Yeah, I mean, let's be real about Cleveland. Cleveland's more of a run stopper. Like, they'll probably yeah, – yeah, he's – Trying to think. Yeah, I could see I could see the Raiders. What I could also I, see the Bills. Mm, they they have like seven ends that could all start for other teams. That are much cheaper. Yeah, yeah, but I mean I'm saying if they if they really thought he could move the needle, then they got pieces to, you know, yeah. get him yeah, if they enough. if they chose yeah. to. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. I'm trying to think, um, and I know this is gonna sound crazy because I don't know how the hell they even have money now, the the Chiefs. I'm sure they can move. Um, they could move. They can move some Mahomes money. I think that's why you signed a big deal like that, so you could just keep moving that Mahomes money and then turning it into signing bonuses. So maybe the Chiefs, because remember Frank Clark is probably going to miss time. What about yeah. the Titans? I, I think the Chiefs are backed by the U.S. Fed Reserve. <laughs> the Titans just signed. Um, they signed Bud Dupree, uh, but yeah, Bud Dupree. So yeah. maybe they, if they, don't want to. Yeah, if they yeah, can I mean, convince I, them to stay in that one year, but whatever. Well. Yeah. All I can say is wherever he goes, I hope it ain't the AFC East again. Yeah, because <laughs> we, got, we got enough problems. Exactly. So the next guy that we want to talk about, Xavier Howard, actually released a statement just really explaining his his situation. And from his point of view, he's basically saying what we said here a couple episodes ago. Uh, we were all in agreement. Xavier Howard is arguably a top five, top six corner in all of football. He draws the toughest assignments on the Dolphins. He's he follows the number one threat on the opposing team, anywhere they go, slot, outside, boundary, it doesn't matter. Xavier Howard is following your best guy. So he he's basically saying what we echo. Just pay me a little bit more money. There's no reason why you, you know, uh, you're you employing me and you're utilizing me as a number one corner, yet you're paying me as a number two corner. So I think that the Dolphins really, they, they probably don't want to set a precedent for this, but it has to be case to case with your premier players. 
So Xavier Howard just says that he doesn't feel respected and he doesn't feel wanted. All he really wanted was a couple more years of guaranteed more money. So I think the Dolphins have kind of um, negotiated themselves into a corner or, you know, their lack of negotiating has put themselves in a, in a corner. But what do you guys think about a Chandler Jones for Xavier Howard trade straight up, TK? Uh, I, you know Dolphins, what? Dolphins play a 4-3 and they don't have a premier rusher. You know what? I can I can honestly deal with that more. Uh, you know, we I think we could deal with Chandler Jones better than we could with with Howard. Um, you know, especially with 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 the line that we got. I, I think you know with his age and the line that we got, he can be contained better than um, say Xavier Howard could be. You know, what I'm saying like he could he he Xavier's pretty much shutting off. The, the one side of the field. Um, so, and with the rookie quarterback not being able to, you know, have all of his weapons at his disposal, uh, I think that would hurt him more than Chandler Jones because they could, they could chip him, you know, they could keep running back in the backfield to help if he's working somebody over. That's nothing you can do with Howard, but hope he don't catch you slipping. Yeah, I think – I think Becton and Fant and even Moses have been going against some of the, some of the premier edge rushers and, and whatnot over the last couple of years anyway. So I think, you know, if they did a swap like that, I think it's a net win if you're the, you know, from a Jets perspective, simply on the fact that Xavier Howard, like you said, shuts down either the top wide receiver or half of the field. And they already got, you know, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his damn damn name, the guy they drafted last year. They got Byron Jones. They got plenty of talent in that secondary. So if you can prevent them from – or not prevent them, but if they trade away a guy that literally shuts down half the field, it makes it easier for your rookie quarterback realistically. I mean, he's already – Stephon Gilmore plays for the, uh, the Patriots. You got uh, Tredavious White, one of the top corners playing for the Bills. So if you can get rid of at least one top corner in this division, because we have three of the – three out of what the top seven so i mean if you can get rid of one of them then i'm all for it and i think like you guys said we could probably deal with the chandler jones and makai beckton's been going against pass rushers since day one anyway that are equal to if not potentially better than chandler jones especially you know a 31 year old chandler jones so i think overall it would be a kind of a net benefit to to have that trade happen if, if in the slightest i guess I don't know if their time in New England overlapped, but Chandler Jones was drafted by New England. Brian Flores was definitely in the building in New England, so there's definitely a, a match there. He probably, I'm sure he remembers that defense. Um, a lot of guys, it, it would seem like Flores and a lot of these smarter head coaches and GMs, they value uh, trench help or edge rushers over, over corners. So I would always take a premier pass rusher over a corner first. You, I, ideally, you would like to draft and develop both. But I think um, if you had to go on the, the, the scale of importance, I would definitely have edge rusher ahead of corner. So that, that definitely would make, the, make sense. Also, Arizona, I can't name one of their corners because Patrick Peterson is gone now. Both sides, it makes sense, honestly. I mean, like you said, the familiarity with Chandler Jones going to a, a, Brian, a Brian Flores, you know, coach team, and then a guy pretty much going there to – I mean, the Cardinals have a rookie quarterback, right? They can they could probably move some money around. I don't think that they have a lot of money tied up, and especially if, you know, one of them's going the other way. And all – Xavier Howard doesn't want to rework of his contract, doesn't want anything like that. It's kind of the opposite of what Chandler Jones wants. Chandler Jones wants the additional money. 
per year. He wants more money than he's making per year. So it, find it, from a financial perspective, it makes sense because realistically, if Xavier Howard's requests are true and that's really what he wants, then give the man some damn extra money up front, call it a day, and, and you have a number one corner after losing your number one corner that you've had for the last, what, 10 years? So I think it makes all the sense in the world. And, you know, from just simply a Jets perspective, I, I think that for us, it would, you know, be <laughs> getting any of those three corners that I mentioned out of the division is a good thing. So if Xavier Howard's gone, I'm all for it. Because not only is he a great corner, he's entering the prime of his career anyway. If he wasn't there already, he's 28 years old, probably has, you know, four solid years of, of all pro, you know, defensive back play. So if he can leave the division, that's one less we got to worry about throwing to. Yeah. I want him gone. Uh, that's 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 it. I want him gone. I, I would love to have him gone. So, you know, it would definitely just make uh, the Jets' lives easier. So, we'll see. We'll monitor that, especially um, with this, because uh, a lot of these teams you want as little distraction as possible, and guys <laughs> requesting trades, not participating in team drills, <laughs> and um, and writing, you know, releasing statements on social media is really not what you love to see. So, but all right, man, from one, from one drama field camp to another, Aaron Rodgers, he reported to camp. Uh, he and the Packers actually just got on the same page. They, I think that, I don't know if it's been official, if they, uh, you know, finalized the reworking of the deal, but Aaron Rodgers is back in camp and um, he didn't hold any punches in that, <laughs> in that press conference, man. So, so, um, so TK, why don't you start us off with uh, that press conference and what Aaron Rodgers uh, had to say? Well, they definitely not on the same page. And like I was watching this thing unfold and, and I bro, I was laughing so hard at this because you had Aaron Rodgers get up there. He's naming names. Like this is the first time I've seen somebody just literally just run down a laundry list of people that organ he felt the organization has wrong and the reason why he's pissed. But he's he's naming names and you know, he's basically saying the organization that didn't take care of players and you know. They were really not good, so on and so forth. And the funniest part to me was when the GM came right behind him and basically said he's lying without saying he's lying. You know, the, the GM the GM was pretty much saying that, you know, they do take care of players. And basically those players just reached the end of the line, and, and that was that, you know. But the whole dynamic of it was just hilarious, man, and – I just do not see this lasting past this season. Like they reworked the deal. I believe they're voiding two years off to where uh, he's under control for 2021 and 2022. Uh, but he's not going to be there. He can, he's at, he's going to ask for a trade. And if they don't trade him, he can retire and keep the 20 something million or whatever it is owed to him for 2022. That was a, you know, part of the deal for him coming back this year. So, they did, uh, on a side note, they did bring back Randall Cobb because he wanted Randall Cobb back. And they literally said the only reason we made this trade for Randall Cobb was because Aaron Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb. So it's wild in Green Bay, man. Um, and, and basically when he said that he's the reason why people come there to play, I, I felt that wholeheartedly because he it's the truth. Nobody's going to Green Bay for cheese. They go on to play with Aaron Rodgers and try to win a championship. That press conference got me going only because it's like you you realize how far 
the mighty kind of have fallen. Green Bay used to be like the pinnacle, like the very well run. I think they had Ted Thompson at one point, like Mike Holmgren was the coach at one point. Like they were a really like well-oiled machine. Like, like obviously like when Brett Favre was there and then they moved Aaron Rodgers, like maybe there was a little bit of a slip up, but like it was very like kept together, so to speak. Like you didn't learn that there was all this tension going on until after Favre was gone. Like right now you got your quarterback just calling out your GM for some bullshit. You got your quarterback sitting there just throwing everyone under the bus. I think they, they mentioned uh, one of the tipping points was when, like, I guess Jake Kumaro, I guess, was a wide receiver or something. I, 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 know, I can't put a face to it, but I think they let him go or something. And what's-his-face was just pissed off because he wasn't consulted. He 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 understands that, it, you know, football is a business. Rodgers understands that. But at the end of the day, it's like dude's been the face of the franchise for 15 years, 13 years, whatever the hell it is. Like you can consult them because at the end of the day, the only thing keeping you, or I'm sorry, the only thing keeping you in contention year in and year out is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's honest. I'm on record for saying he's probably one of my favorite quarters of all time. Like it is what it is. But the only thing keeping you in contention every year has been your quarterback play from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So the least you can do is keep him happy with some of his guys. And they didn't do that. And then to top it all off, I think in the presser, the, the GM even came out and said, like, we didn't consult Aaron Rodgers when we took Jordan Love. They didn't. So you're going to take a quarterback to replace him. And then this year you're going to take, I think he took what another cornerback to, to fill in, but you still haven't given him help. So, you know, getting Randall Cobb to appease Aaron Rodgers, I don't blame the guy for wanting to avoid the, the two years out of the three years remaining on his contract. Get the hell out of there. They don't care about you. They made their, their point clear. They're going to move on without you next year. They drafted the guy to replace you. And that's just, that's just how it is. And you know what? I wouldn't be, I, I can't think right now of anywhere that Aaron Rodgers would go to, but he's going to be worth every penny to whatever franchise he goes to. Cause very rarely does a quarterback of his talent where he's on record for saying he wants to play until he's like 43, 44, whatever the hell it is. Very rarely does a quarterback like that hit free agency. And we, we might see two in, in the last five years in Brady and Rodgers. So, I mean, remains to be seen what's going to happen after this year. But I mean, I guess it's something to look forward to for, you know, a team like Denver, maybe. Aaron Rodgers can go to any team that he wants to. He can go to any team that he wants to. Well, like right now, there's maybe what four or five teams that will probably say no. Every other team would welcome Aaron Rodgers in in their building. All right, so Aaron Rodgers, who who won this this standoff? Aaron Rodgers. Um, did he? No, because I, I was about to say, because, listen, you know, I, I'll let you get in right after this, because people saying that Aaron Rodgers won. He's still going to play another. He's going to play another year for Green Bay. They're not paying him any more money. And Jordan Love is learning and is going to be a backup. So initially they basically their their plan that they probably have when they drafted and didn't consult Aaron Rodgers. They were already preparing for life after Aaron Rodgers. What, what yeah. did he really prove? I mean, he got, he still has to come back and play. He would have won if he ended up in Denver or he forced his way out. Right. Now, I think that in, you know, from looking at this from a macro view, Aaron Rodgers is, he's that first step. We're going to, you know, like, and I've already said this throughout the, the entire preseason. We're, this is player empowerment right here. This is Aaron Rodgers taking a step so that the next QB that forces his way out is actually going to happen. We're going to look back to Aaron Rodgers and say, all right, that's when guys realize that you know, I can do what I want. First guy would have probably been Deshaun Watson had he not uh, run into all that trouble. But I think that, 
you know, from a macro level, I can see what he did, but Aaron Rodgers didn't win this. The Green Bay Packers, this was their plan all along. They were gonna they were gonna walk away from Aaron Rodgers at this point anyway. But one thing I will say, the Packers have had 20 years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Well, 20 plus years, maybe. I think if we do the math, it's probably over 20 years, and they've won two championships. In that time, Tom Brady's won six or seven. So I think that they've underachieved with having two Hall of Fame quarterbacks on under center. They've underachieved just as much as Indianapolis did going from Peyton to Andrew Luck. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, let me just backtrack real quick. As of right now, it's incomplete to me on who won the loss because, uh, I mean, we th- he got somewhat what he – some of the things he wanted, like he got the two years or whatever taken off, but he's still under their control. And if they decide, you know – we want to torment you after this season. There's nothing he can do about it other than retire. And they'll still have Jordan Love. And they're still off the hook for, you know, those extra two years. So I think it's incomplete right now. But, yeah, I, I do it to your point about uh, underachieving. Yeah, I agree. Like, they should have at least five out of those years. Um, with the two quarterbacks that they've had and the rosters that they've had around them. Like, I, I don't remember any any years in Green Bay where I just really looked at the roster like, man, that they are just terrible. I, I just don't. You know, they've always, you know, they've had good to, to great running backs. Um, They've had solid wide receiver play throughout, even if it's just one wide receiver. They've had, you know, decent tight ends with, you know, your Mark Chimurs and, and and so on and so forth. Solid defenses. So, yeah, they've underachieved. They're definitely underachieved because they're a small market team that doesn't really spend on, on free agents because they never take those big leaps when they're only one piece away. I can, I can think of two times that they've really added, and it's always been on on defense. And it's Reggie White and Julius Peppers, and it was Julius Peppers after his prime. Julius Peppers went there after he was after he was Julius Peppers. It was after he had already been in Chicago for all those years. So they got him after he was already the dog and stuff like that. They, you know, that I think that that's their biggest indictment. They didn't really go after – like, they should have been all over OBJ or Julio Jones. They should have been all over one of those guys because just look at – if you look at – I don't think people really – and I don't want to spend too much time on this because this is a Jet Center podcast. But if you look at – I don't think people really appreciate how good Aaron Rodgers is. He has a 9-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio over the last three seasons. That is re- that is ridiculous. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' touchdown, career touchdown to interception ratio, I believe it's four or five to one, and that right there is is just that it's just silly. And I think that um, I don't know. I think that you should have been doing everything to maximize these last couple of years of Aaron Rodgers, and, and instead Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy they want to be the smartest person in the room. So whatever, man. You guys got anything um, uh, final to say on around the league or Aaron Rodgers and? How stupid the Green Bay Packers are! I just yeah. don't see. Oh God! Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, it's, it's damn near five to one. Yeah. Last yeah, thing I think I'll say ridiculous. in relation to the topic is I just don't see how we can indict the GM, the the assistant GM, even the coach, and say that they somehow won with Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, maybe they won this year, but you're banking on Jordan Love, which again, you have no idea what he's going to bring. 
and you've done nothing with the exception of bringing back Aaron Jones on. I don't even know what the deal was, but you've done. You got 12 million a year. What is it? 12 million a year. Okay, so you've done nothing outside of bringing back Aaron Jones. You haven't brought in a first round wide receiver. You haven't brought in a lot of damn talent for when Aaron Rodgers leaves. So I don't see how Green Bay could have really won any of this. I think that ultimately they're the biggest loser. But yes, I can understand that. When was the last time we saw Green Bay have a down year? Fair, fair point when Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth. But realistically, I, I, I'm more gearing towards the it's the incomplete side, but I would never think Green Bay won this by any means. Yeah, I completely agree. Listen, man, we're going to segue from that right into our own QB. I don't even want to say issues because that boy was signed. So we can all we can all relax. We can all rejoice. We can all get that good, uh, positive feelings going. What's up? What you got? I just want to know, were any of you guys worried? No. No. Right? I mean, I it was, was mass panic. Yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't worried. I was kind I was of annoyed. annoyed. I was annoyed because it's kind of like listen, it's it's about optics. We've been talking about optics the last six weeks. We it's not what you want to see. It's not something that you should be arguing over. So for the fans out there, the Jets finalized the 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 uh QB Zach Wilson, the number two overalls pick. All right. So the deal is gonna be four years with the fifth year option. Uh, Zach Wilson gets that. Listen, both sides RP. Zach Wilson gets $22.5 million. Imagine being 21 sitting on 22 M's. He gets that signing bonus in the first 15 days after signing it. The Jets get their offset language and the Jets get started on a Zach Wilson, Robert Sala era. Um, he only misses two days, but I want to get into this. Did, and I, and to be honest, man, this isn't a, I can't even blame Joe Douglas. I won't blame Joe Douglas because this happened with, I believe, Quinny Williams signed late, um, Sam Donald signed late. So this is a Jets thing. And, yeah, I just think that they just dropped the ball. Um, you know, I wasn't worried. It's just more – it's just annoying. See, like, you guys see how the media is, man. Every single thing is overlooked. This could this could have and should have been avoided, but I'm glad that it got done. So uh, what do you guys think about Zach Wilson finally being signed and and everything being done? Uh, I wasn't worried just like you guys weren't worried, but the fans were in mass panic. That's just how it is. Obviously we've seen how, how ferocious the media can be. Everyone wanted this deal done. Joe Douglas wanted this deal done. And I'm, I'm really happy that Salah handled it as well as he did, but he did have a quote. And I, I'm not going to say it verbatim because I don't remember it off the top of my, my head, but you know, it was two practices too many. It really was. Cause at the end of the day, this highlighted a bunch of bigger issues that we'll get into later, but you know, you you don't want to be the same old Jets. And I'm pretty sure he verbatim said, like, we're not, this isn't the same old Jets thing. This is just contract talk. It's a business, which, which it is. Absolutely. But this should have really been a non-issue. And the Jets need to figure out a way to rectify this, this whole offset language contract issue with first round picks. Because the money is slotted. You know how much he's getting. You know, you know the optics of the contract itself. You know the four years with the fifth year option. You should have this mapped out a long time before. And I understand, you know, everyone's, you know, agents can be difficult. You know, we see it in all, you know, sports. There's always that one agent that we all know of that just sucks or they're hard to work with or whatever. But at the end of the day, you knew what he was going to get paid. You knew the optics of the contract. Get you guys signed because you need to, as we always say, you got to build that rapport with your teammates. And it's been, I don't know how many weeks since, you know, they last met up. And I know he was working out with them a little bit over over the break, quote unquote. But 
get your guy in there. He's he's been hard at work studying the playbook, and all you got to do is you got to bring him in and, and let him show off everything he's learned. And that's it's quite frankly, it's that simple in my mind, at least. So for me, man, I uh, I honestly wasn't worried at all, considering the fact that we've seen this movie before with Sam. Um, I knew it was going to get done. And like, I, I really wasn't sweating it at all, man. But to Omar's point, it the, the optics of it wasn't great. And it kind of put a downer on the momentum and the mood that, you know, had been building both within the building and within the fan base. Um, and like you said, Matt, you know, fans are losing their minds over this. And a lot of the people that I interacted with, they were just parroting a lot of stuff that they've heard other people say without actually knowing, you know, the, the situation, you know, and, and, you know, a few episodes back, you even went into what offset money was and, and yeah. things like that. Nobody, you know, really took notes on that, I guess. I, I don't know, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's over and it's done with man. And, and I'm glad uh, you know, now they can move on. We're 90 for 90 at training camp. So the excitement is, is, is there. The player that the most important player on the team is there. And it's, it's time to roll. I took two things from this whole situation in the 48 hours. Um, once camp opened up and the players reported and everything like that. One, the Johnsons will find a way to put their name or just to have some sort of stench on any good, on any positive narrative going into a season, they just somehow find a way. Because this was a Jets thing, not a, not a front office thing, because we all saw in that that four-part series how the well-oiled machine of the front office that Joe Douglas has assembled. And two, Robert Sala for a rookie coach, as far as we're talking optics, I, I like that. I like the even-keeled. I like the, the, uh, the soft intensity. Like, you can tell that he's intense and he's serious about his work, but you can tell that he's not going to be Rex Ryan. And I think that that's um, – I think that teams all usually take on the persona of their coach, and I really like that. And I think that uh, – a third thing, I think that the media will try for – the media will try to spin anything negatively. From Rich Semini at uh, one of his sub-headlines is Makai Beckham going to eat himself out of, out of stardom or eat himself out of the league. My God. Or – any of the, the, yeah, the national radio host just saying that it's the same old Jets. Any little thing that they do, they just really revert that to SOJ. And it's really, it's really not that, but I really do love the way that Robert Saller answers questions. He's a company man, but he's also a player coach. And that's exactly what you want to do. You want to tote the line and, and you really want to dispel a lot of these looming narratives or looming issues that, that, that the media tries to create. So I, I really love that right now. You, I just, I, just out of curiosity, because like obviously next year we have two first round picks, right? And yes, both are going to have potential. Obviously, going to have the fifth year option associated. Do you see this as a potential? Obviously, we've had this issue with Quinn, Sam, and now Zach. Do you see this as a potential problem when it comes to players wanting to be drafted by the Jets? Could that? Could this kind of make it? You know, just. A situation no, I, where a I, player I see, would be like, eh, I, I don't know if I want to get drafted to that team solely because I know it's going to be a damn headache and I'm going to have to fight for my life to get my guaranteed money. Like, can that be a problem down the line? To be honest, I think it's just negotiation. And and to be real, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's a part of the game. 
it's a part of the game. Like, no, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody's gonna say, "Yo, I don't want to go to the Jets." But your last like, like, three, like, your, your last what three first round picks you've had issues with for the uh, same. Becton, did Becton? I'm have sorry, issues? outside. I'm sorry. Yeah, outside of Becton. three out of the last four. Yeah, you've had the same issue with the only team that I can recollect having real issues with offset language and and contract issues for a rookie player is the Chargers, who had the issue yeah. with Bosa, where Bosa I think almost contemplated sitting out. But like outside of that, I, I I'm I'm sure it, every team negotiates. But like, ha, have you on. noticed it's like the higher the, the teams that pick picking real high because like it's more that, guaranteed money. Yeah, so hopefully we won't have that problem moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess well, that's I, fair, the, but... the Jets are going to pick in the top ten this year, but I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think it's only an issue, and we're talking about it now, is because it's, it's the quarterback and there's no backup QB. So I think that's that that's the major issue. Guess what? If there was a, if there was a you know a, a credible or a capable backup QB, it probably wouldn't have been an issue. But when you got Mike White and you know the fourth round gem of 2019 airmail and passes or the 2020 yards over the head. Say his name, dog. Say his name. I ain't saying his name. It's like Voldemort and Harry Potter. You don't say his name. Exactly. Because Jamison Crowder before the signing was the best QB, had the most, it was the only person on the team with a completion. Oh, Jesus. So I I think that that's more, that's more of an issue and an indictment, but you know, we'll get into that next, but I think that it was an issue just because it was the QB. Because remember it, it, it was, the the QBs were the last guys to to sign their deals, right? All, all the Q. I think Justin Fields was the Trey first Lance. one to get it done. Yeah, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson within. They were the a two last days. two. The two last, yeah. So the number two and number three overall pick. So I, I just think that that's just going to be something that the Jets should have probably started their negotiations earlier. Like me, as soon as I sign the quarterback, I'm getting him signed. I'm getting him signed. I'm getting him in there. I'm making him dumb because if I know that he's going to be the day one starter, I, I don't want there to be any missing time. And, you know? and and listen, and I'll even defend the, the Johnsons to this point. They probably fought for the offset language because they just had to deal with that with, with Sam Darnold. They just, they got all this hype. They picked their quarterback number three overall and they were terrible. At it. Now, granted, Sam failed because of their inability to surround him with a winning environment, but they still, you know, like they, they don't want to keep paying out this money for GM mistakes. Now, granted, like they, they created these mistakes. They hired the people that, that created these mistakes, but you know, uh, you you have to look at it from their perspective as well, too. What were you going to say, Matt? I think I just want to quickly highlight this too, because I think people had a misconception about, you know, they're like, Oh, here we go. Zach Wilson's being like kind of a, a peppy, you know, a-hole so to speak because he's not showing up or whatever if you're not under contract and he gets hurt for any reason going to practice like let's say he decides he's going to go to practice and the negotiations will figure themselves out because agent's going to take care of, and he gets hurt before he signs anything on that dotted line he is sol like he's shit out of luck no money no nothing and like i totally get it like he loves football this and the other but like i'm sorry they they, they risk their bodies every like that's why we're so pro player because they are literally risking their bodies for our entertainment. So I'm sorry, anyone who's out there that's like, oh, well, he st- still should sh- show up to practice, so on and so forth. Get your head out of your rear end and just think a little bit because it doesn't, it's a quick Google search to, to understand why he wouldn't go there in the first place. I mean, it's a contract. So I, I just want to throw that out there because I saw a bunch of, you know, Twitter people commenting under, you know, stupid blue check marks like rich samini saying oh well he should be there you know this that, and the other like he got drafted by the organization no cut it out 
Stop being stupid. Put your thinking cap on like they used to tell you in third grade. Exactly. Well, Rich doesn't use his thinking cap that much. I, I just don't understand. And I know that he's been he's you know, he's probably been beaten over the head watching a lot of bad football over the years. But yeah, man, just like just stop trying to create false narratives and stop trying to like I know I know it's all about clicks, man, but it's just like like Rich is Rich is an OG, man. He went to Syracuse. He's actually a real journalist. I don't understand why he writes like this all the time, but you know, I guess I guess somebody has to pick up for Manish. But listen, so I think what what Zach this issue was not I don't even want to call it an issue, but the uh, but Zach the not being there, yeah yeah with Zach not being there, the absence of Zach actually basically shed to light on the glare the biggest glaring hole besides cornerback on this team, which is backup QB. Now me, I I I can't think of many QBs that are good from day one. That, that are plug-and-play guys from day one that actually get it done. I know Manning comes to mind and a couple of other guys. I'm always in favor of letting a guy learn at least for a couple games just so they can see the speed of the game, just so – because it's different, man. Like, I know when you're in there, and I know Sam said that he learned a lot just from watching – remember when he got injured and he got to watch McCown during his uh, rookie season? He said that that helped him a lot. And then when we saw him go back in the game, he actually looked like he was starting to figure it out. Now, Zach is starting from day one. Now you got Mike White and you got James Morgan backing him up. If something happens to Zach Wilson or if he's ineffective, the Jets have nowhere to go. I'm always in favor of a vet QB. And I think that this may turn into an issue of Zach Wilson isn't who, who we want him to be. So um, TK, how do you feel about that? Well, listen, man, I read today that in practice they had, 11 passes thrown. I believe it was 11. Uh, that was over 10 yards. And all of them were bad. Uh, uh, some to that nature. It was it was 10 passes were thrown less than 10 yards. The first one thrown over 10 was, was intercepted. intercepted or okay, that's what it was. 10 yards over his head. One so, basically, uh, the backups we have just, just not going to cut it. And, I mean, it, it, we didn't need this practice to tell us that. We said that from the beginning. But the problem, the problem is there really is no one out there. Like the name that gets thrown around a lot has been Nick Foles. And I read that the Jets had been um, engaging in talks with Chicago. And I think I think he's going to get moved because they already promised a starting position to uh, Andy Dalton. Then you draft the fields who's probably going to take over. No later than week eight, but that's another conversation. But like there really isn't anything out there, man. Like I'm I'm looking at at the list right now, and you have RG3, Matt Barkley, Josh McCown, uh, maybe Blake Bortles, Sean Mannion. Like there's really there's really they nothing work, there, man. They worked out Josh Johnson. Of course, there's nothing here on July 29th as we're talking to you. Yeah. But you know, was there so, somebody? Was there somebody there? April, May, yeah. When free agency opened, yeah. The trade yeah. market, yeah. The trade market was there, able to materialize. Nick Foles wasn't good last year. Joe Douglas basically said that. You don't think that Joe Douglas would have brought the guy in? He won a Super Bowl with him. So I think that people just need to let that Nick Foles thing go. He's not taking a pay cut. He wasn't good last year. All you had to do was look at Brett Collum and shout out to him on YouTube talking about how Justin Fields instantly makes the Chicago Bears better. 
Nick Foles is not mobile. He can't, he can't run. And he's basically, he's not even like diagnosed. He's not even diagnosing uh, defenses good anymore. So he was never, he was never an option. I wanted to, it it just, it just, I don't know. It just just didn't make sense. It's just the veteran presence, I think, is what people want more or less. I mean, can Zach Wilson pick Nick Foles' brain, right? Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. He pretty much carried the team to the Super Bowl. So it's like, as much as Nick Foles wasn't that guy last year, hasn't been good since that year, whatever, there's still something that can be gained. And he is still, I would say, more viable than the other guys we mentioned. And Bortles, I mean, who has done literally nothing since they went to the playoffs with the Jaguars with a loaded roster. Sean Mannion, which I don't even know who the hell he's played for last. I think maybe the Rams. Johnson, I think, played for us last with the Jets. I I think the reason that Foles is the guy is because of that connection with Douglas. But you're right. He's not going to take a pay cut. Can we afford to pay him? Yeah, sure, we could. But, I mean – Ultimately, you got to bring someone in. It's just like you guys said back, you know, months ago, we could have got someone else. You know, there were names to be had, maybe a Dalton or something like that. But like, I I don't know. I, we just listed off four names and I don't find any one of them appealing outside of, I guess, Foles just because of what he's accomplished. So I don't really know who you bring in. I don't know what you do, but I all I all we all know is that you got to bring someone in. I mean, is seven million dollars for him, seven, eight million dollars too much for peace of mind? For you know, I mean, I don't think so. Chase Daniels got seven and a half million. Chase Daniels' career earnings is like almost 40 million dollars from being a backup. Um, uh, what's the guy from Tampa Bay? God, Chase Chase Daniels, my my hero. Yeah, mine too. Mike Glennon, for crying out loud, got 15 million, three years for 45. Like, yeah, but that was also when they thought he was going to be a starter. Right? Yeah, before he yeah. Went to, but I mean, yeah. he was he was a backup then too, if we being honest. But I mean, yeah, but to be, yeah, I mean, I mean, one of my one of my worst takes was that the Jets should go and get Mike Lennon to be their starter. I agree with you though. We, we talked about that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so I agree with that. One of my uh, worst takes, but not a fifteen million per. But my my point my point is 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 that you know like that's. That's not, you know, bad. That's not a, a a a huge amount to pick up considering what we have. And I mean, if you you take him on, you have an out after this year anyway, so you can, you know, see what you got with him and try again next year with someone else. Do we want to end up like we did when we had Luke Falk starting against the Patriots? Exactly. It, that's ultimately the question that we that the organization and that we all have to ask ourselves is that what we want to end up with because you saw the incompetency of Luke Falk you, lo- you, you and you see the incompetency of Mike White and, and James Morgan in practice and we're two practices okay. in what was it was it White and Morgan because I know that Mike White was getting the first team snaps was it both of them apparently Mike White had a couple good throws but from what I saw it was just a shit show so for what it's worth and then that takes me back. How did you draft James Morgan for in the fourth round? And he can't, he's not a competent, he's not even a competent backup. Honestly, a fourth round pick would have been okay if he would have been a backup. I think that, I think that we could have all, we could have all said that, but he's, he can't even be a backup. So like, what the hell do we even do? And I think that, I don't know if the name that, I don't know if you guys mentioned that before I had, um, I had to answer a call real quick, but uh, Nick Mullins, I think, I thought that would have been, well, the I guy. thought that was the ideal fit. 
yeah, me too. But, but uh, I don't know how that didn't happen, man. Or even a Jacoby Brissett, somebody. I like that Gava. You say you don't like Brissett? No, I do. Yeah. So even uh, like some, like somebody, anybody would have would have been better. Where's um? But they let they let Mullins, you know, get to uh, uh, Philadelphia. Philly. Philly. Yeah. So it, it's like like you said earlier, back in March, April, when they could have made a move, you know, they didn't, and and now we're seeing the ramifications of obviously not doing still anything. Could be quarterback cuts, right? We're, I mean, we're just in training camp. They could. I'm not saying there's going to be any. There's, there's going to be no big flashy names. That's not what I'm saying. But there could certainly be some guys that get cut that could fill, you know, fill that void, so to speak. But I mean, it remains to be seen, obviously. But just a thought. There has to be some sort of thought process because I mean, I'm not. I don't think we're. Uh, actually, I mean, it's possible we are smarter than a lot of people in that organization in the past. I don't know about the current regime, but I mean, more or less, they got it. They have to have something in mind. There's no way they can go into the season the same way they did last year, where they just had incompetency at the backup quarterback position. So I don't get it. I just think that it's uh, you. You are mute, Ty. Would you say? Yeah, I, I was just about to say yeah, I agree, man. But I, I just got this sinky feeling that that's that's where we're headed. Like, and you know, I'm I'm kind of scanning now, see like looking at the rosters and seeing, you know, the backup quarterbacks around the league, and you know, I think because of this 17th game, a lot of teams are gonna carry three. So I don't see like any really viable QBs that you can look at and be like, okay, he's he'll be a decent backup. I I don't see that materializing, man. I I, I just don't. I, I I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but right now I just don't I mean, see it. We we hey, all hey, gotta maybe they oh go. No, I was just gonna say we all gotta sit and hope that it doesn't come to that. That it that Zach Wilson plays his ass off, the offensive line plays their ass off, and we don't even have to worry. This is a non-issue, but again, it's just it, it gets scary to think about the prospect of walking into another season without a confident backup. Yeah, yeah, I I think that it that it's a, I don't know, I think that it's really negligent to even to even see because I thought it was, and to be honest, the lack of a of a backup QB is the reason that Zach Wilson's deal should have been done. So now the team knows that if Zach if Zach like imagine what that's going to do to the team if if Zach like let, let, let's say when the bullets start flying in, in training camp when they get the pads on and Zach is a little skittish, now the team and the vets know that. We don't we don't got too many options if this kid ain't it. So all right, man. Listen, we'll we'll transition from that. We don't want to get too morbid and we want to keep the positive vibes going here. But let's talk about first impressions. Yes, we know it's only been two practices, but first impressions, you uh, a couple of days you can see a lot, especially with everybody hyped up and especially the vets coming back and the free agents and the new signings that really want to prove and the rookies want to prove um what they have, and everyone is just really feeling good because. Everyone's in the best shape of their life right now. So let's see. Uh, first impressions, Matt, what you got for first impressions? Uh, so my first impression is the left side of the offensive line. And I can't tell you how many times I read from any beat reporter, any writer, anything. They are going to run the rock like we've been saying since, you know, I don't even know when. They're going to run the rock to the left side of that offensive line and just 
keep on going because from everything I'm reading, Michael Carter and LaMichael Piran are just – there's holes. They're getting to the second level without being touched, and that's just unheard of. And and the reason why this is a like a first impression for me is the strength – I think we would all agree the strength of our defense is our defensive line. It's our front seven. And if that left side of the offensive line is pushing around – the defensive line, obviously, I know less Quinnen because Quinnen, you know, has the injury and, and, and whatnot. But we have competency and, and depth across that defensive line. If the left side of the offensive line is just manhandling the strongest point of our defense, I would say that's a pretty damn good first impression. I don't know about you guys. And, and realistically, if you have an offensive line where – and again, uh, obviously, I'm discounting the right side because of, you know, whatever. But when we're just talking strictly about the left side of the offensive line, when we're talking about that – when you have when you have guys just pushing people back like that, and you can trust that you're gonna have a, a hole and they're gonna get to the second level untouched, it's like it's unparalleled. Like it builds confidence in your young quarterback, it builds confidence in your offense and, and everything in between. So it's just like the the from eight I've seen nothing but AVT and Beckton, huge holes, and it just it gets me excited because realistically, it doesn't matter who's running the ball. If there's a gigantic hole. And they can get to the second level on touch. It doesn't matter if it's Piran. It doesn't matter if it's Coleman or whoever, or Carter or whatever, Ty Johnson. I don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. So I think that's the one thing that I've seen consistently is just on run plays. They're they're taken to that zone running scheme really well and just opening up holes for the running back, no matter who it is. I absolutely love everything that I've seen as far as. Uh, Beckton and ABT and the offensive line because this team is going to be predicated off the run. This team, this offense is going to go as far as the offensive line can drive people back. So I think that it's great uh, what we're seeing overall. And I think that there's, I, I can't think of a time, honestly, this is probably the most talented unit that the Jets have had since 2000 and maybe 11. Um, you know, those Fanica years over there with uh, Brick and Mango. So I think, and I think that this, and I and I think that with the competition and whoever wins on the on the right side is going to be the best two guys. So I think that this might be the most talented Jets offensive line unit just from just just from talent. You know, like yeah. they still have to go out there and do it and, and perform. But from a talent standpoint, this might be one of the most talented Jet offensive lines that we've seen since maybe actually maybe even like like mid two thousands when we had Mawai and and Fabini and guys like that and Brandon Moore. It, this might be like one of those rosters. Uh, sure as I'll hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TK, what do you got on the um, first impressions? So my first impression, it, it, and by the way, Matt, on, on yours, just to touch on yours real quick, man, we, we saw what, what Beckton did with uh, uh, what was the left guard we had last Elfline. year? What Elfline. Pat Elfline, once they, once they got, uh, you know, jailed a little bit, I, man, now that he, we got that camp. left side, yeah, with a full camp. Oh my goodness! Uh, but yeah, so my first impression, man, it, it, it's on the defensive line, and it's with Carlos. His name has been ringing the last two days, man. Like I just see a tweet and another one, and another one, Carl Lawson and another one, and you know, I dog that really amp me up to see that because we have been chasing the ghost of John Abraham for years and years and years and many failed attempts. Uh, I won't even say that name because they ring, you know, bring so much anger amongst Jets fans, but you know who they are. Colossal failures, but they, they brought this guy in on a reasonable deal. I, I might add. And 
he's he's giving hell to to Becton and you know to to everybody else that's in front of him. And I, I can't wait to see that go down during the season. Like if he plays with this type of intensity, this type of technique, like we already saw he was disruptive last year in Cincy. That's why they went out and got him first day, like they did. But we see this, he will be our first double digit sack guy we've had in a long ass time. And I'm I'm overly excited for it. Listen, man, for as much shit that I give Joe Douglas, he's done exactly what I wanted the last couple of GMs to do. Invest in the offensive line and get a damn pass rusher. So that makes me so happy. I just love that Carl Lawson is doing his thing. And he's uh, – I, I can't even front, man. Like, I, I, that just almost brought a tear to my eye once I was finished being pissed off that there was no veteran backup QB option. But, yeah, I think that osmosis, Carl Lawson makes a lot of people better. Like, I think that you can all agree Carl Lawson makes Makai Becton better. Carl Lawson makes George Fan better because George Fan is – I think we can all see the writing on the wall. George Fan is probably going to be the swing tackle because Makai Becton is probably just going to need some, some breather reps. He's a big-ass dude, and that's just I think that's just always going to be the key um, to keeping him fresh. And I think he's going to make Elijah Vera Tucker better. And then guess who else he's going to make better? Quinnen Williams once he's back. So I just think that, that uh, you just need those force multipliers and Carl Lawson – and you know the biggest biceps in the East. I think he's going to make a lot of a lot of guys better. Carl Lawson has an infectious personality. Players gravitate to him, and like you guys said, he's just going to make everyone better for, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, you know Becton has went against some of the best. He went he went against uh, Miles Garrett, I believe, last year. Some of the guys with the quickest first steps, and I think Carl Lawson had I think the second most pressures in in the NFL last year. That, did, that didn't result in sacks. So, I mean, if that's anything to be excited about, I mean, obviously we, we always say we got to kind of temper our expectations a little bit. But, listen, if all reports are true, which they seem to be, Carl Lawson is just tearing it up. And, I, and I mean, I think he is kind of the perfect combination of size and speed and power. I don't think he's going to be too reliant on his quick first step to beat guys. I think his ability to, to transition in different pass rush moves is going to be – amazing and and like like tk said i hope and i pray that he's our he would be our, what our first 10 sack double digit sack guy since who i, I don't I, I don't even john know. abraham I believe. john abraham yeah and in what like oh four might have been oh four or five i believe he was traded in oh five because they used that pick to to select mango i believe yeah, yeah. so i mean it obviously again temper our expectations a little bit but not only is he going to make the guys that you guys mentioned on both sides of the ball, I'm excited just to hear what's going to happen with JFM. I think JFM is going to take a lot from, from Carl Lawson. He's just going to become exponentially better too. I think everyone does. So I think I'm just excited for Carl Lawson. I mean, like, like you said, Amari, like Joe Douglas did what we wanted RGM to do for God knows how long for years, for damn near close to a decade. So I'm just, hoping that everything that, that goes on in camp over the next couple of weeks and so on, it translates to that first preseason game and, and eventually into the regular season. Yep. Uh, for my first impression, I have Keelan Cole as wide receiver number two. I think that this is going to be – I think Keelan Cole is going to surprise a lot of people. He was down there in Jacksonville, and a lot of people don't know about them because, you know, I mean, it's Jacksonville. Not a lot of people know what's going down in Duval County. Not a lot of people are checking what's going down in there. So right now, Keelan Cole is running with the twos. 
I think that Keelan Cole is going to surprise a lot of people. He might even play himself out of out of a contract or the Jets extending him next year. And I think that with that, I think the Jets are going to have one of the best uh, as a, as a collection. The Jets are going to have one of the best receiving cores in the in the AFC. I'm gonna, I'm going to say in the AFC because they they have when you when you look at the the team that they've assembled, it looks like a basketball team now. You got your guards with Berrios, Crowder, and the speeding bullet and Elijah Moore, you got some guys that can go up and get it and get some tough yards. And then Keelan Cole kind of gives you uh, both. He's going to, you know, he can, he can win quickly. He can work the intermediate routes. He can beat you deep. I think Keelan Cole is really going to show his skill set. And I think, I think this system is going to accentuate what he does best. So I, I'm really surprised by that. Um, yeah, I think that if the run game, I think that if the run game can really do what we think they're going to do, I think that this Jets passing attack by week five or six is going to surprise a lot of people. Man, I uh, I actually love Keelan Cole, man. And, you know, I I, I dropped a little, little video, you know, on the page and did a little write-up about that particular, you know, camp battle, Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims and kind of gave the pros. The yeah. that podcast page on Facebook. Yeah. And I uh make sure y'all check it out, like, share, and follow. But I talked about the pros and cons of each guy. And uh, Keelan Cole is a proficient route runner, dog. He, he, like you said, he works the middle. He works inside. He works out. And, I mean, he really ain't a small dude. He's like 6'1", somewhere up in there. Uh, he's not the quickest, not the fastest, not the most athletic. But he's crafty. He's you know he he can you know contest catches, uh, and yeah, I do believe he's going to surprise a lot of people in this offense because of the way that it's designed. So uh, you know, however it's shaped, man, we will have production from our wide receiver core from one through five, which we haven't seen in ever. Keelan Cole does everything well. I think that's just what it is. I think he like like we've all you guys have said he had production when when Jacksonville had no quarterback. So he does everything well. He gets enough separation from a corner. He has great hands. He has great route running and so on. So I don't even think that I don't even think we can look at this and be like, oh, we're shocked that Keelan Cole is is running with the ones and he's going to be the number two on this team. I don't even think that's a shock to us because I think when he signed for the what I think it was one year what five point five something to that effect. When he signed for that, we were like, first of all, that's a bargain. Because he's much better than than you know we saw his production with Jacksonville. We we're like he's better than that with a better quarterback. And I would think that Zach Wilson's better than Bortles, like you know roughly right now. But we saw that contract and we were like he's gonna outplay that. He's gonna outplay that, and he's only twenty six. So if if everything goes right this season, by everything I mean, like Zach Wilson looks you know like he looks the part, and everything goes right. You could be running into kind of a little bit of, an, uh, of a, a good problem to have, even though I guess with the whole Crowder thing and the restructure, maybe it's not so much a problem anymore where it's like you could be sitting there thinking like, hey, man, maybe I got to extend Keelan Cole for another two, three years if the, if the production matches what we think it can be. So, I mean, that would listen, be perfect. Man, exactly. And I, again, that's a great problem to have. I mean, the fact that we're five deep at wide receiver, I, mean, we haven't, I haven't even mentioned Elijah Moore in this sentence yet. It's something to, to, to be excited about because Keelan Cole showing out of practice. Yes, it's practice. But when you're in a division with the cornerbacks that we mentioned earlier and Tredavious White and Xavier Howard and Stephon Gilmore, where the defenses in our division are really, really good. And two of the three of the coaches. Are defense, yeah. 
and 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 the defenses. I'm sorry, the coaches for all those teams are very defense oriented. What better way to counter that than to be five deep at wide receiver? And and if Elijah Moore is running with the twos and whatever, and and no one panic because that just means Keelan Cole is showing out. And that's how we want it to be. We want competition because, like Salah said, competition is going to breed improvement. And I think we're going to see it. I think I know everyone's kind of a little bit down on Denzel Mims right now because of Keelan Cole shining like a star. But I don't think there's any reason to be down on Denzel Mims. Obviously, everyone would love for him to, you know, throw his, you know, pull it and just be the number two. But Keelan Cole being the number two, I got no problem with that. I really don't. I think it's something to be excited about. I think however it's shake, man, they're all going to contribute, whether Coles is starting or, you know, Mims is starting. Like, they they will find a role for all of them because they all got talent and can and can give somebody that work. Yeah, and they all they all do something. They all do, like, a few things really well. I think Keelan Cole's probably, you know, he's probably that guy that can do everything. You think Elijah Moore? I mean, honestly, man. Elijah Moore can do a lot. So like, I hear people saying, and you know, we've seen a lot of his route running videos. He he's not just he's not just primarily going to be a slide. He's not just going to be running drags and you know jet sweeps and all that. He's going to be able to beat you deep. I think uh, Denzel Mims. I think people really want to see him be a more crisp route runner. But I mean, you can't deny that dude's catch right here. So I think that they're all going to contribute in some form or way or another. So I think wide receiver two is definitely going to be a uh, position battle to pay attention to if i'm going into this week um we'll say right guard i mean it, it's going to be right tackle and right guard we're going to say it's going to be a competition but i think we all believe that morgan moses is going to win that right tackle spot just because of fans versatility uh, i think that they're going to keep him as a swing tackle but that right guard spot man i think that the competition at those two spots is going to push the talent to the forefront so i think that we're going to see the best version of this offensive line. So, you know, we'll save it for that. For right guard, right now, Van Roten has the, the starting spot. Do you, th- you guys think that stays throughout training camp? Uh, I think yes, because I, it's tough because they're running the new new scheme, right? The, the, the zone, zone pep, I'm sorry, zone blocking scheme. So maybe last year Van Roten just didn't fit the the scheme that they were running. Maybe he, again, the, the cream rises to the top. So we'll see what happens. Do I think it's going to stay? I mean, early on. Yeah, I do. Because I think maybe this, you know, blocking scheme is more conducive to success for him. Maybe he, he can scoot a little bit better and, and, and get out there and move a little bit better. So, I mean, I, if Greg Van Roten, if it stays like this, it's because he earned it. I think this, this, the coaching staff has made it very clear that, the best player is going to get the job. And if it stays like that and Greg Van Roten stays as the starter, it's because he was the best man. And it's as simple as that in my mind. And clearly it's as simple as that in all the coaches' mind too. Yeah. Like that. that's one thing I, I can say um, that I, I, I do love about this team is that whoever starts, they earn that spot. Outside of Wilson and Beckton. And, and AVT. Yeah. And Mosley. And Q. But, but <laughs> everybody else in, in, in May. Especially that cornerback room. Yeah. But everybody else, like, it will be a dogged competition for you to start. Now, sticking with right guard, I'm still sticking to my guns, man. Oh, no. The mullet. 
the cream and the mullet. Give it up. The cream and the mullet will rise to the top. Listen, the right, listen he had he has the hair to to give us uh that vintage macho man promo but he ain't it <laughs> can, he, can he donate <laughs> yeah. some of the hair to us he ain't it i don't want that hair i don't <laughs> he want it, ain't it. hey he, listen man that listen if it. he does I'm it sorry if he does it i'm sending y'all mullet wigs and you got to take a picture and post it on the socials all right, that, okay, that's fair, fair enough. I will, but yeah, fair enough. I know it ain't happening. Yeah, I wait, what happens if I, he doesn't? He then he doesn't. Oh no, no, but what he doesn't. So, yeah, to you if he doesn't. Wait, 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 we'll come up with something. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll you come, come up, up with something. something. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to think. So we, so we all think that. So are we all off, Alex Lewis? I've been off Alex Lewis. Yeah. I, okay. I was I I was out with him last year, man. I was Cam Clark. Yeah, uh, and that's another thing. So, like, I don't even think that Cam Clark is even being. I don't even think mentioned. that he's. I haven't heard can, his name. I haven't heard his name. I don't think that he's being mentioned as an option or, or, or you know, as as a part of the competition. I really think that it's between Van Roten and Lewis. So, another thing is, is it too early to to not Cam Clark? Uh yeah. I I don't think it, I, I don't think we've seen anything. So. Until I see something, especially in the preseason, which we're going to have this year, and, until I see something, I'm not willing to to throw in the towel yet. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I, I see I something. Think, yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand that. I think um, ultimately, I think Van Roten probably wins this, and I don't think it's going to be much of a competition. I don't think right tackle is going to be much of a competition either. I think this. I think the five that we've seen is definitely going to be uh, the five that go forward. I think Feeney might end up being the backup center. I can I can see that. I think that's what Feeney's going to end up being. So I don't know. Yeah, Greg and Rowan. I think people forget that when they signed him, he was coming off a pretty good year with the Panthers. He was. He, he was. He was in the top half of the league. You know, when it comes to pass. I'm um, sorry, run and pass blocking grades. And, and, so I mean, and, he was coming off a good year. So I mean, on, in top of the league in uh, penalties too. Good yeah, after that, I guess. No, no, no. I mean penalties like um oh, not, did, not yeah, getting yeah, penalized. Not, yeah, oh, not sorry. getting penalized. Sorry, I should have worded that better. Not no, being no, you're good, but people forget that he was coming off a decent year and the Panthers didn't want to let him go. So so it is very, you know, very possible that this offense is just more conducive to the way he plays the game. Maybe he can get out and he plays better in space. Who knows? I mean, again, I'll just kind of circle back to it real quick is that the best player is gonna get the get the the starting nod. Ultimately, I agree with what you said. I think that this is going to be the starting five, and I kind of hope it's the starting five because at the end of the day, that would mean that they earned it. So, you know, I, I think Van Roten, maybe he takes that step forward. And, you know, worst-case scenario is, you know, you have kind of a competition through the season, which would be the shittiest scenario there is, and then you you address it next year. But, I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting, you know, playoffs or bust this year. But, I mean, if if – our biggest glaring needs next going into next year are guard and, and cornerback. I think that those can be remedied relatively easily in my mind. I think so too. And I think the other, obviously the cornerback battles, that's just going to have to play itself out as camp goes on. I think another position that we're probably going to have to think about is will linebacker. And if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, Blake Cashman, it was the starting will linebacker yes. to start camp. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think I would absolutely love that if he can stay healthy. 
I think Cashman, uh, yeah. Cashman is an off-ball linebacker in every sense of the word. And I think that if he stays healthy, I think Blake, I think Blake Cashman turns into a really, really good player playing Will Linebacker. I think he can get close to 100 tackles a season as a Will Linebacker. I really do. I, I think I think the one thing is with him, though, is I think he would have to slim down a little bit. I don't know what he was playing at, but he always looked like he was gigantic when he was on the field. Maybe, maybe it's just the shoulder pads, but I'm not sure what he was playing at. But I do know that C.J. Mosley slimmed down to 231, which kind of makes me happy for the modern day. He took that year off. His body's in the best shape it's going to be. And and I'm ecstatic that he's less because I think that we would all agree that, you know, NFL linebackers are starting to, you know, obviously in stature, like height wise, they're not getting smaller, but definitely weight wise, they're starting to slim down a little bit so they can go sideline to sideline. So, I mean, if well, Cash, I don't know what Cashman played, I think it was like 240, 245, something, something like that. I could be wrong if someone wants to fact check me on it, but. If he can slim down just to, you know, the 235, 230 range, I think that perfect for the Will linebacker position. Yeah, I think that they're all going to get slimmer because you got to remember you have to be bigger when you're in the 3-4 because you're taking on guards head on, on a lot yep. more. Yeah, so yep. I think that they're all going to they're all gonna lean out. C.J. Mosley goes back to the weight that he was probably playing at when he first came out of college. Good. Now he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be good. And Blake Cashman is always bodied up. Like I remember last year, that dude was I thought he was gonna have a great season because he was he was just in shape. He was looking shredded as hell. So I, I think that Blake Cashman, I think I think Blake Cashman is gonna be one of those guys that really benefits from this scheme change and this coaching uh, change. So, so my God, he just need to stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's his biggest thing, man. Because he that, he has a nice skill set and really, he has great speed. Yes, he does, and his play recognition is 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 up there as well. Pretty, he has good instincts too. He gets he, his angles, angle of pursuit, and everything like that. Like he can close the distance and, and really get to the running back coming out of the backfield and kind of you know jackknife through. So I think without a doubt, but does that spell? I mean, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing because I think we all thought Cashman had potential prior to his injury, you know, injuries throughout his career so far. But what does that spell for the younger guys like the Hamzas and the and the Sherwoods? Well, I think that it spells that they get to – they don't have to get thrust into a starting role, learning a new position in the NFL, and I think that that, that, that only helps them. Yeah, I, I think it, it, you know, it gives them time to acclimate to an NFL program. Because, I, I mean, you know, like, like well, Hamza was hurt himself. Yeah. You know, so, like, he can fully heal the coaching staff, the training staff, you know, the, the – the, uh, Dietitians, everybody can get their hands on them and get them to where they need to be for the long haul rather than just, you know, this year right here. So, like, I think those other guys balling out would be a, a great thing for the guys that they just drafted. And, you know, it'll give us valuable and viable depth. So it's a win-win for all. So do you think this this team as a whole has the most depth we've seen at almost every position Except in, corner. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have a collection of guys that could be number twos or, oh, or, yeah. or, or threes. So I think there's still think, depth there, but not at the number one position. It's, it's not like we're scorching around with two number one cornerbacks. That's not, you know, not what I'm saying, but I'm saying, do you think this team as a whole has the most depth at almost every position? Like the roster is, is the entirely, mo- almost entirely is, filled out. This is the most on paper. This is the most talented and, and, Filled depth filled roster that the Jets have had maybe since 2000 and I want to say 11? nine. 
maybe eleven. No, but by eleven they had already started gutting the roster and they were 10, very I'm sorry, like, they were 10, very 11 or nine, ten. Yeah, ten, eleven. Yeah, I can see that, or maybe even even fifteen because like they were again they were top heavy. They they're not as top heavy now, but if you start looking, except for it's, there there's there's literally depth at every position except for quarterback and cornerback. You yeah. look at every you look at everywhere else they're. They're too deep at almost every position. C.J. Mosley, Gerard Davis are interchangeable. If one of those guys go down, Gerard can go play middle, and then you could, you know, you could step in, and Hamza or Sherwood could step in. Um, I mean, D line is just ridiculous. O line is is really good. Mate, tight end is a weak spot, but I mean, listen, you're not gonna you're not gonna fix everything in one offseason. I think that this, uh, from a turnover, from a talent turnover standpoint, this is the best that the Jets have done mm. since I can remember. This is the best the best adjust have done since Eric Mangini came over and basically flipped that entire roster from the 4-3 to the 3-4. The one thing I also want to quickly mention is I don't think any we're not losing a lot of players from this year to next year. Nah. I think a lot of these guys are on really cheap deals and they're under – so next year we're going to have the potential to add – I mean, first of all, we have a crap ton of picks. Next year we're going to have the potential to add so many players and still have all the existing players under contract. And there's going to be tough football decisions to be made next year, which just yeah. makes me even more happy. Yeah. So it's going to be guys like Foley, JFM. Those are going to be the guys like Nathan the early Shepard, extension. Yeah. 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 The early extension candidates and Nathan Shepard, you can let him go just because he's already going to be 27 or 28, I believe. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's out of here. So if anything, you just get a compensation pick for that. And that's how you keep, you keep replenishing the roster. You get more Nathan Shepherds after you after you draft, develop, and uh, let Nathan Shepard go to Green Pastures. So that's how the Ravens have been able to stay where they are, and other teams. That that's so how you we build are it. set up. Yes, we are set up with also what six picks in the top one hundred. Yeah, depth at every position this year. Yes, correct. No one really coming off contract next year. Correct. And then we're going to add six top 100 picks on top of the other five picks we have across the other rounds or whatever it is. Not to mention. And we're not losing anyone. And we have $180 million in cap? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so oh, that's, why I see that, that, that's why I'm really – I just want to see that the team plays hard and that Robert Sala knows what he's doing from a clock management standpoint and a player personnel standpoint because everything is set up for the Jets to – for the Jets to really turn themselves in, into a contender over the next three to five year period. We could, yeah, we could be talking, yeah, we could be talking about the Jets being one of the most talented teams in the next two to three years. Yeah. You remember what those San Francisco teams started looking like? When they were losing all this time, they kept losing all those close games, but they just kept filling the team with so much talent. Yep. And you're starting to see that they were just starting to draft really well. That I mean, I think that I think that's what you're starting to see. And I think that this was the first offseason. I've said it before. But yeah, man, I, I think that this was I think that this was great. Uh we're gonna have more. We're gonna have we're gonna go into more depth with uh training camp battles and then we'll probably get by our fifty-three man predictions at some point because now that there there has been a philosophy switch, a lot of those guys, some guys that we brought in maybe don't fit this scheme and maybe they, they don't fit with the 53 but i think that the jets it's going to for the first time in a long time the jets are going to actually cut some good players so i think i think that that's i think that that's going to be really good man that's so funny to guys, hear man yeah <laughs> that, that, i'm serious that really is funny to hear yeah the jets can I mean, actually cut good players yeah so yeah man do you guys have um anything to add uh not really, man. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, I kind of wanted to say, 
I, I really hope they have a kicking competition this year. Make sure we good on that front. Uh, you know, we got an all-world punter. I hope we don't have to use him much. But uh, other than that, man, like, you know, this this is a, a damn good episode, man. Yeah, I agree. Last thing I got to say is uh, quickly before we head out is uh, Rich Samini, just fucking stop. I can't take it anymore with these headlines. They, they just... They hurt my head. They piss me off. Like he's getting the reaction he wants, and it makes me really mad because it's like I can't control it, and I can't control what I see on Twitter sometimes. I'll leave it at that. Lucky. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't follow anybody I don't like. But yeah, man. Listen. I think that this was the good. I think this was good. We're really excited, and this is you know this is time for everyone else to be excited. We want the fans to be excited because this is a. I think this is going to be a step in the right direction. I think this is going to be a very exciting training camp. So on behalf of TK, Matt, I'm Amari. This is the Flight Deck Podcast, episode 27. Thanks for rocking with us. We'll see you next week.